Hey guys, welcome to Tysonversation number seven. We have the podcast with Niels is on its way out later this week on Thursday. That will be the eighth podcast for Tysonversation. If you're wondering why it's kind of started at five, it's because I did a bunch back. I just used my phone while I was in the car coming back from work and just put the voice recorder on and filmed a couple, uh, recorded a couple and put them on Podbean. And that wasn't the best means of doing it. So that's why we're kind of starting at five on YouTube. Uh, a bit of housekeeping to start this episode is this podcast, Tysonversation, is now on Apple Podcasts and it can be found on Spotify. It is um, a great podcast. Uh, if you guys, I hear a lot of people say to review their podcast because that helps push them up in the rankings. So if you guys are enjoying this podcast, please, if you could make the effort, go and give it a good review, add a comment or something along those lines. Hashtag Tysonversation if you have any questions or any current events that you want me to comment on. And yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's been going quite smoothly recording these. This one, if you're watching this on YouTube, is actually in focus this week. Apologies for that. When it's all just you, it's annoying how the simple things can just fuck up the entire process. So remember to focus this week. Um, I have a new, uh, so the podcast with Niels is coming out later this week on Thursday and I'll have a new video coming out tomorrow on Tuesday. I always am bombarded with requests for when's, when is Fusion Gone Wrong 3 coming out and I addressed that a couple podcasts ago and I like making that type of content, enjoy making that type of content. So there is another type of content like that coming out tomorrow um not based on dragon ball z and i think you'll only understand it if you've watched the anime it is parodying um i've had a decent week this week with my training how's yours been going i mentioned last week that my small of junior was wrapping up and that I would be maxing out on Wednesday. And I wasn't expecting a lifetime PB, but was expecting around 115 to 120 kilo max. And I ended up getting 117 and a half kilos for the pause bench press, which is how I was training it. So that's all I was really focused on was that pause bench. But I felt like I'd maxed out how much I could pause and then push back up. And because a touch and go form of bench press is stronger, kind of relies on momentum. You don't smash it or bounce it off your chest, but it does touch and then you go straight up. So there's a little bit more momentum there to help. I got 120 kilos. So I'm pretty happy with that because I looked back the last time I did small of junior and I did two blocks of it or two cycles of it. So I did it for three weeks, had a break, did it for three weeks. And where I was last time, when I did the three weeks, had a break, maxed out. I'm, I'm further along this time than I was last time. So I'm happy with that. And I imagine having this break now and then starting this second block, I'll no doubt be getting that lifetime PB of over 122 and a half kilos. I mean, how could I not if I got the touch and go as relatively easy as I did when the focus was on that pause bench? So the gaps 
as I build up to that max would be more appropriate to a higher weight as well. So yeah, I'm really excited about all of that. Um, one funny thing that happened was I made another noob mistake with bench press. I thought I might not even be maxing out was as I was warming up, I think I had, I wanted 80, 80 or 90 kilos. And I put, I think it was, there's two twenties or two, I think for you Americans, two 45s on each side and was meant to put a 10 on one side, a 10 on each side as well. And my spotter changed theirs over and I just forgot because in between sets I hang as well, which I feel helps stretch out the chest. So I did that, then probably made a comment, forgot. And when I unracked it, it was way overweighted on one side. And within that shock moment of unracking it, I felt like I tweaked something on the left side of my chest. So I was a little bit concerned about that because I thought the slightest or most minor differences can actually matter when you're going to maxing out. But it ended up being okay. I did tweak it being an idiot, but it worked out okay in the end. And then the second significant thing, so I've also been doing some jujitsu. That's been going well. Tweaked my knee a little bit. Um, but that's that's fine. That's just comes with it. I'm working through that. I went cycling and Within this week, I've done two 40-kilometer rides, which works out to 20-something miles. And they wouldn't be significant distances for people that cycle often, but it's significant for my body because I've not cycled that length for a long time. And it's also, how do I put it? It... Well, I mean, the actual cycle was significant uphills. So it wasn't just a flat 40 kilometers and the hills make a massive difference. And the biggest concern here was just like running where it's a very simple movement repetitively. It's just a lot of time doing that same thing. I was just interested in the adaptation my body would have to make, not being used to that position of cycling. And I'm on a road bike, which you're quite kind of hunched over in a road bike, how my body would adapt to that for the amount of time I would be you know, in the saddle, which was about two hours. So the lower back killed me uh, the first ride. And then the second ride, it felt okay. And just because it was sore the first time, I wasn't thinking this is bad because your body needs to adapt to things like this. And like I said, a long time, two hours doing something you're not used to is going to have its effects. Uh, your body just needs to take its time to work through this. And the reason why I'm doing these cycles, one, because it's fun. It's a fun way to uh, get some cardio in. It's an adventure because I was riding along the old Pacific Highway, which is the road that used to be used to connect the central coast where I'm living at the moment to Sydney, to a main city. And that road is now almost completely abandoned except for motorcyclists, sports car enthusiasts and cyclists. And there's a new freeway or highway that goes to Sydney. So this road is barely used and it's extremely scenic and it's perfect for a cyclist. So it was a great ride anyway. 
But the main reason is because in November, early November, I'll be doing a charity bike ride uh, riding from Sydney to Wollongong, which is 82 kilometers. And it'll be the second time doing it. I did it for the first time in 2017 and I'd never ridden that far before. And I did next to no training for it, heavily relying on the fact that I'm naturally athletic and naturally quite fit. And even though I did complete it and was okay, boy, was my body not prepared for it in that I can't remember now, but I'm quite sure I would have had some lower back discomfort. Uh, when I rode through the finish line, they were taking photos and I was... I was like fist up, like, woo, made it through, get that good photo. And as I was pedaling through, my quads like locked up. So they were completely finished because this was maybe a four to five hour ride. So it wasn't a race, but I was doing it with a pace. Um, But most notably, the thing that negatively affected me the most cycling for the 82 kilometers four to five hours i had a numb dick for like a week straight no it was on and off yeah a week straight and i was worried at some point like i thought i'd done something something was wrong as in maybe i should have stood up out of the seat a bit more or something and restored blood flow to that area i was thinking of going to see the doctor but it ended up being okay because I thought if it was just blood flow was cut off, surely it would be fine again soon. The only other kind of like lack of feeling I've had was in my thumb when I started to employ hook grip to lift weights. So for this week, I'm like, I've done some proper damage here because I know nerve damage from the hook grip takes months to come back. Anyway, I came back and I've spoken to cyclists since and that can happen. And I'm just putting all of this down to the lower back pain, the legs cramping, a numb dick. That's all down to getting more time in the saddle. So your body is kind of used to those positions and how you're moving for an extended duration of time. So that when it comes time in November to do the cycle, I am uh, still have feeling there <laughs> pretty much um, and I'm not in pain and I'm not, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not uncomfortable pretty much. I was thinking earlier this week that out of, you know, running, cycling, swimming, cycling seems to be the most unnatural of them because of the position that you're in on a bike, which was made by people i mean it's an efficient way to move but ah we're finally employing our first type of housekeeping if you can hear whatever that noise is i'm not in a studio so what is that i can hear something i can hear something right now um what was i saying yeah a a bicycle doesn't necessarily seem to be the most natural way to sit or position yourself but 
I think that I'm overthinking it because I don't cycle a tremendous amount and it's just uncomfortable because my body's not used to it. So I've got to spend time and from there it will make the 82 kilometer scenic cycle ride in November a more pleasurable experience and my body will be fitter and more adept for it. So that's my training for this week. Moving on to current events. Oh, I should also add for my training, I'm looking to compete in jiu-jitsu. I had the plan to compete back in July, but wasn't able to because of my rib injury. And I would like to compete before I grade for a blue belt because I feel I'm almost ready to grade for a blue belt and there will be a push or kind of pressure to grade for a blue belt because my skill level's moving up. But I wouldn't, I don't want to in myself compete for that blue, uh, grade for that blue belt before I compete against others as a white belt. So I've been looking for another competition but can't yet find one. So I looked a little bit into that this week, but no such luck. But I do have uh, some plans to compete and record the journey uh, as much as I can for a jiu-jitsu competition. It's difficult to kind of track because people love the Stronger Series with bodyweight training and the Stronger Series I did for Olympic lifting. But it's kind of difficult to track training in jiu-jitsu and MMA, uh, mainly because for me, or how I can see it, is it comes down to you're filming yourself roll or spar with other people and you're tapping them uh, as in like you're submitting them choking them punching and hitting them getting moves over on them and they're doing that to you but for me that's fine um, but to put that out, out publicly for other people to see even though I'm new to this whole martial arts thing I feel there's kind of a an etiquette to filming that kind of stuff and then putting it out so other people can see how they were beaten or submitted or how they train. I don't know. To me, it doesn't bother me, but, and I've not even confirmed this, but this is kind of my mindset in terms of the etiquette towards recording this stuff, which will make it kind of difficult to track, but I'm keen to do it and just, I can just film the ones with people that are okay for me to film and put it up online. But, uh, yeah, that's just one of the challenges I see in tracking my jiu-jitsu and MMA type of training. Uh, current events. So the one thing I've got for current events this week is, as you guys know, for Stronger Bodyweight Workout Series 2, Niall Wilson was the program coordinator. So he put he understood what our goals were and he put together a training program for it. Niall is in his own right and accomplished when he did this was an, an accomplished world-class gymnast and has gone on to be a YouTube sensation um, in his own right with a channel that eclipsed mine and Lachlan's channel who he helped for stronger um, by a mile. So he's got over a million subscribers now and he's doing extremely well outside of his gymnastics, but he still identifies as a gymnast first and foremost. And I've followed his journey since he was part of Stronger. And like any athlete, 
any elite athlete and anyone that trains a lot, he has more so than most, it seems, currently been plagued with injuries. And he just recently has had issues with his neck and is coming back from that. And he put out a video this week that he's been injured again. Uh, this time, an injury to seems to be an issue with his thoracic nerve and seems to be affecting, I think it was his right shoulder. And it's a video he put out recently, which I recommend you just go and check out. Just to, in a way, it kind of encapsulates what life is about for an athlete, whether it be an elite athlete or someone like me who just trains a lot in the sense of you attach a large part of your identity to being able to go and train. For an elite athlete like Niall, it's about representing his country, representing himself and his family and his friends and his club and what that means to him. For me, it's more the representation that um, I love to train and kind of define myself as being out there, able to move and do these feats of strength or movement or flexibility, mobility. Just I kind of define myself through those movements or express myself through those movements. So some of these injuries, more so my injuries, which are not as significant as Niles, would be injuries that people could, you can live with. You can live with and have a normal life. You can go to your office job and go out for drinks later, come home, watch a movie, go to bed, get up, you know, go for a run maybe, or, you know, things like that. But when training is a massive part of your life and you do a lot of it and you do a lot of different kinds and an injury stops you from doing that, it's almost as if an injury takes away part of yourself. And when you're unable to train, which translates to me, when you're unable to express yourself, it bottles and builds up and manifests as stress within the body. And it leads to things like mood swings or being more stressed, anxiety. Um, basically, uh, how do I define? It kind of, it, it just, it emotion negatively affects your emotions because you don't feel complete as a person. So understanding that, watching these types of videos or watching Niall's journey along the way as he gets these injuries, which are quite significant injuries because you want to be I don't think many athletes are, but you always would want to be perfect going into an elite level competition. And this injury that he's just had on top of him coming back from his neck surgery, the injury from, from his neck and neck surgery is this injury to his thoracic nerve. And it's quite interesting if you watch the video because it seems he's got it on footage when it kind of quote unquote fell apart you can see that he did a handstand and the right shoulder i'm quite sure it's the right shoulder just doesn't activate and then there's a point in the video where he's just in front support 
and you can see his right shoulder blade is winging significantly. So think of when you protract and retract the shoulders. Niall is trying to, in front support, protract the shoulders, but his right shoulder is not protracting. And you can clearly see like his shoulder blade coming up at the back. It's just not switching on, which is kind of scary. And Niall goes on to talk about in this video, as he has in the past, about the mental side of what that means to be injured. And I kind of just wanted to touch on it like I already have to just talk about that people might not be able to understand it from an elite athlete's point of view. And I thought maybe if I explained it, how I experience it might help to translate it. Because again, he's... He's got so much else going for him that if he has this injury that ends his career, which we, we hope it doesn't, but if he has this injury and it stops him being able to train, then people might think, oh, that's fine. What's he whinging about in terms of this injury? He's got a successful YouTube channel. He's... He's like a successful influencer. He's got brand deals. He's going to be fine. What's he complaining about? And it just ties back to... This is where it kind of separates from me. But if you're an, an elite athlete, it very highly likely means you've been training since you were young. And all you've ever done is been encouraged to continue this sport, to keep going, to get better and better. And elite athletes are usually genetically gifted, plus started at a young age and had a lot of advantages in terms of training opportunities. And this is largely their life. And this is such a classic story that when you can't train or compete at a high level anymore and your competitive time is over, no one's ever really taught you that there's a life outside of that because a lot of things have to be sacrificed and compromised to get to that level. So there's no time in this won't be here. Or probably people say this won't be here at some point, but no one teaches you or gets you ready for the inevitable void that is left when you can't go out there and compete in front of a crowd. It comes back to me that for me, when I just can't go out and do a back tuck without throwing my back out or something, that was something I always used to be able to do. And I think you can kind of scale Niles issues back to just people in general that there can whether they're aware of it or not, or whether you know someone or it's you, that if you have some kind of debilitating injury, that there is not only physical rehab that needs to be done, but also a mental kind of preparation and taking care of the mental side. Because maybe whether you're aware of it or not, there are stresses that occur when 
part of what defined you, whether it be a massive part like me or a small part like you did a run every morning and now you've tweaked your knee, that is going to build up and manifest as stress. So to have the mindset to understand that, one, take injuries serious and understand that they're rather than just go, oh, injured, leave it, don't do anything about it, try and come back, make it worse, whatever. To educate ourselves in the appropriate course of action for recovering from injury and also trying to accept that this is part of the training journey and also try to talk to other people about it. I'm not saying this is going to cure the feelings that occur with not being able to go out and train. But these feelings are real and should be taken seriously and should be addressed appropriately. And I feel like Niall's journey helps make us aware of that. So I feel really bad for the guy in terms of these injuries are all um, not good. And he's in he's at the age where he should be competing and doing well and improving and to be constantly just trying to work back to where you were would be so frustrating and stressful and unmotivating to keep going back to those um, levels so i wish him the best and i think that the best thing that can come out of this in terms of me talking about it is that this isn't just something that can happen to elite athletes where an injury takes them out of competition and they don't know what to do with themselves. But this can also happen to us. And I think it's great that he's able to talk about it. And I'm hoping that me talking about it as well just helps all of us if we're ever unable to perform to understand that these are just moments in time that we should all aim to work through and we should be able to talk about it and hopefully work at it and move on from that and make it a thing of the past and understand that it is normal, can be normal when it does happen and we just need to do the best that we can to get through it. Um, what was the other current event? Uh, Oh, I think I just, I also kind of wanted to touch on, I don't know how appropriate this is now, but I made those comments on the Mindful Mover Instagram page, what they've been saying about training to train more, to, to train less and get more gains. And one thing I wanted to say just on a quote like that, where it seems it would be advantageous to train less and get more gains, because that does, like, obviously with anything, that sounds great. Um, but the idea for me, if someone said you can train less and get more gains, then to me, that wouldn't mean I train less. To me, that would mean I train less towards whatever that thing is I'll get gains in. It means I can fit in a new skill now as well because I enjoy my time training. I find it cathartic. I find it a de-stressor. So I was just touching on... like I think the mindful mover just saying 
the tr the train less for more gains just kind of triggered that idea for me that even if I did have the opportunity which I do to train less in the gym I would just whatever that thing was that I could train less on and still improve on I would then go oh great that just means I have more time now for jiu-jitsu I can now just start doing that more so I would still be in the gym regardless um Q&A let's have a quick break this is me trying to address the camera problems from the last two weeks and come back for Q&A. So for this week, I just did a post on my Instagram story, Instagram channel, The Tyson Edwards, and asked to send in your questions, but I had a quick look through the YouTube video versions of the last two podcasts for questions, and also said you can hashtag Tysonversation for any questions or current events you want me to comment on, and I will address them. So I've got a few questions here. First one is more Dragon Ball antics, please. Um, I addressed that already. There's something similar because it's a parody on anime coming out tomorrow on Tuesday. And I'm also working on Fusion Gone Wrong 3. I enjoy doing these Dragon Ball parodies. So I'm glad that you like them and there is content coming very soon. Next question is, how is your body weight training going? So my body weight training at the moment is based around the Stolder press. And it's essentially breaking down the, having, it's breaking down the movements to for Stolder support and being able to Stolder press. So I'm just working on my compression, greater control in handstands and the compression or the actual stalder movement. So that's how it's going. I did have a request for a training vlog. So I'm going to aim to record more of my training, going back, tying it back to the jiu-jitsu. There's a limited amount of footage I can get for things like that, but I'll definitely be able to film majority if not all of my body weight training so i'll put some new videos up on youtube over the coming weeks i think i've only put out two training vlogs this year so i'll aim to put together a couple more and see how those are received next question do you prefer a three to five rep range for training strength or an eight to ten now kind of a weird question because to me, strength training is, say, that five rep range, the three to five rep range. When I was competing in Olympic lifting, um, don't think anything was over five reps in the whole program. It can be over five sets, but nothing was over five reps. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, not that I can remember. So the reason for this is and this isn't just this isn't absolute this is just my thoughts on it from what i've read from how i've trained is if you were to be doing something for well actually let's backtrack even further if you're training for strength generally strength is compound movements whether it be in the form of strongman training like lifting atlas stones or walking with a yoke or doing farmer's walks, or if it's like Olympic lifting where it's performing a snatch, clean and jerk, or if it's bodyweight training where it's performing an iron cross or a planche. 
These are compound movements. These are things that aren't just muscles working in isolation. It's muscles working together. And although the central nervous system has something to do with every, all of our actions, the central nervous system is most fatigued or used, incorporated in compound complex movements. So when we strength train, for something like a snatch, we're trying to make the snatch, we want to lift more and get stronger for that skill, that movement. If you can do, say, eight to 10 reps of a weight with snatch, that's not necessarily strength training anymore because if you can lift something for eight to 10 reps with good snatch technique, you can lift heavier. It would make more sense to add more weight to the point where you can only lift three to five reps of that weight in the snatch and build your sets and your program around that kind of weight as opposed to the eight to 10. What should happen if you're lifting with the correct weights for the snatch to get stronger is if you were going up to say if you well if you're doing more than five reps with it your form is going to start to break down and that's where you want to stop lifting doesn't mean that that's when you fail it means that that's when your weakest links are starting to give way and once that chain breaks it can lead to some detrimental injuries because there's so much going on that if one thing goes wrong and puts you out, it might end up you tweaking your back or your knee or your shoulder, and that's not what you want. So you, with strength training, the general consensus is to train with a weight that is definitely challenging, but does not lead to failure. And within the rep ranges of three to five is also a great range to work within. And if you could do, say, 8 to 10 reps, then you should be adding more weight. Because how do I kind of put this into a nutshell? Is you, want to, you can train with higher volume to build your strength. So with the Small Old Junior program, I just recently, I did 30... That doesn't sound like much. <laughs> I did th three reps for 10 sets. That's a lot, but it was only three reps each time. But what they've found is that lower rep range leads to greater strength gains over time as opposed to the eight to 10 rep. So I feel like I'm reaching now to try and summarize this. It's essentially, if you wanted to fit more volume, you would want to do the lower rep ranges for higher sets because that will that lets you get more volume in with good form. If you were doing the eight to 10, there's likely if you're using a, the appropriate amount of weight relative to your strength, going to be form breakdown at that level and you would likely through research what they've researched is optimal for strength gains be better off lifting in that lower rep range geez i hope that makes sense but that's 
across the board in terms of squatting, clean and jerking, planching. The only time I can think where it would be eight to 10 reps, you know, that higher rep range would be good, would be for more simple, say it was for Iron Cross, more simple exercises like Iron Cross presses, um, not a f- complete iron cross, but you know, say in support position out 45 degrees and back in, working within that, but that's conditioning. That's more conditioning type training. So the tendons and the biceps and surrounding muscles are prepared for the higher intensity of when you do actually do some significant iron cross strength training or more it's more specifically the iron cross so i probably rambled way too much then but um yeah i prefer a three to five rep range for strength training for sure this is more about barbell training but a very simple straightforward but effective strength program is five by five um i do that for squats i did it for bench to kind of get my uh, good foundation behind me before I started Smolov. I did five by five, three times a week for three weeks before I started Smolov. Uh, Do you still Olympic lift was another question. Uh, No, I don't Olympic lift at the moment. I want to Olympic lift again. I want to, would love to come back and compete again in at least one more competition because my last competition, I bombed out in the snatch. So it would just be good to, come back and do another successful competition but i have a lower back issue when my lower back seizes up um, when i move a certain way it's generally when there's some tension lacking in a certain part of my body whether it's through my glutes or my lower back so that's been an issue for a couple years which i've been working on and you'll see that I put out a vertical jump program, which is on my website, which you can go and purchase. If you are interested in improving your vertical jump, which will translate to having a higher power output across any physical activity, head over to thetysonedwards.com and grab the program. It's only Part of in that program were clean pulls, and clean pulls was an ex or an ex, was an exercise I got from Olympic lifting and find them extremely effective. I included them in my top five weighted exercises of all time, and when I was testing the program in the vertical jump program, I was doing the clean pulls with only ninety kilos, which going back to when I was doing it competitively 90 kilos is relatively light as I reached full extension I felt like I didn't have proper tension in my lower back which I should have but I just I feel like this wasn't so sensitive when I was competing so maybe I didn't have as much tension when I was competing but I still did the lift didn't have enough tension and then bang the lower back seized up again so it's extremely frustrating and i can imagine starting an olympic lifting program now would halfway through could seize it up again so i'm kind of just doing more 
experimentation on the mechanics of how I'm moving and trying to address possible weak points to overcome this back issue. And then I'm wanting to dive back into some, well, not dive, but get back into some Olympic lifting and compete. Doesn't have to be PBs or anything like that, lifetime PBs, but just to do more uh, Olympic lifting again, I would really enjoy. And then the final question is, was just commenting on in my podcast and across social media, I mentioned that I train for skill acquisition. My foundation is in gymnastics and Olympic lifting, and but I also branch out to other things. Those are great foundations, but now maybe I wanna to learn to climb more efficiently. I wanna learn how to fight. I wanna learn how to grapple more efficiently. I'm cycling, I'm running. There's so many different things I'm doing. Um, I'm doing, someone asked, do I ever have a day off? And the answer is yes, I do have a day off. Um, but what I've found is those days off aren't necessarily... So I, I do have complete rest days where I don't do anything. But what I'm finding as I get older is I want to aim to move every day in some way, shape or form. So with this lower back thing, I'll sometimes wake up and my lower back will feel pretty stiff or tight and not quite right. <laughs> I'm a rapper, I'm a rapper. And um, I find that just going for a simple walk around the block helps to activate it or make it not feel as sensitive or tight or stiff. And shout out to Delecky Strength on Instagram who just made a post that reminded me of that was they've been aiming to walk at least, I think it was 15,000 steps a day. And that's something I can, haven't done, but can attest to would be super helpful, uh, even from my own experience, is even on my rest days, if I just tried to walk, say 15,000 steps, that would be extremely beneficial for me because otherwise I think I spend most of the day, if it's a rest day, just sitting or laying down or standing around. And I think that there's something, certainly the older you get, detrimental to just being sedentary on the days off and then training as intense as I do and as hard as I do on the other days. I think going from zero to 100 has some kind of negative effects compared to on your rest days going being at like 40 or 50 and then on your training days being at 80, 90, 100 as just a stupid numerical metaphor. <laughs> so yeah, I do have days off, but more and more I'm finding that on those days off, I think I should be doing something, even if it's, and it should be extremely light on the off days, I still should be doing something. And that will result in greater overall health than having days where I'm completely sedentary and then days where I'm training quite hard and quite a variety of movement. So that's the questions. I'm gonna say it one more time, hashtag Tysonversation. If you have any questions that you want me to answer or any current events you want me to talk about, that wraps up this easily digestible podcast on functional training for another week. And stay tuned for the video tomorrow and for the podcast with Niels Jornsson on Thursday. Thanks for listening, guys. Train safe. Have a good training week. 
and I will see you for next Monday. Well, actually, no, I'll see you in the podcast later this week, but I'll see you live next Monday for the next Tyson conversation.